Welcome to your Lighting Lady podcast, a place for inspiring ideas and practical advice to help you improve the lighting in your home. I'm Josie Ratton, a former lighting designer and lover of all things home design. I use my two decades of experience to provide simple ways you can have the lighting you love. I hope you'll join me and get ready to be inspired about the difference good lighting can make. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of your Lighting Lady podcast. More than 17 million Americans have low vision, which means that lighting, along with other design features, are very important considerations when it comes to your home. Today, I'm excited to have Nancy Clanton on to discuss how you can make changes to your home if you or a loved one has low vision. Nancy Clanton is the founder and CEO of Clanton & Associates, an award-winning lighting design firm specializing in sustainable and regenerative design. She's been involved in lighting design since it was a new career choice, and her approach emphasizes thinking about the way that eye works, the psychology of light and visibility, not just numbers. She speaks globally on topics related to sustainable design, energy efficiency, and light pollution. She's been actively involved with a wide range of U.S. and international organizations, including the National Academy of Sciences, the International Dark Sky Association, the International Association of Lighting Designers, and the U.S. Green Building Council, to name just a few. Nancy was a part of the Low Vision Design Committee of the National Institute of Building Sciences, or NIBS, that developed and published design guidelines for the visual environment. The guidelines provide specific design recommendations regarding the visual environment in order to afford equal access to all facilities through universal design principles. And full disclosure, I had the great privilege and enjoyment to work with her for eight years. Welcome to the podcast, Nancy. I'm excited to have you. Oh, well, thank you, Josie. I feel so honored be talking about a subject I'm very passionate about. Thank you. Good. I'm excited. I think our listeners are going to really be interested to hear about it. So can you tell our listeners a little about you and your journey in lighting? Absolutely. Well, my journey in lighting is uh, one of watching what's going on and not, like you mentioned, not just by the numbers. So many Lighting designers or electrical engineers or contractors go, oh, it's all about foot candles and how much light you have. But to me, it's more than that. It is lighting almost in the three dimension. Of what is it that you look at? How does lighting affect how you see and to make sure that we have absolutely quality visibility for everyone, whether you have excellent vision or low vision? And how did you... So what led you into the topic of low vision and its relation to lighting design? What was your journey into that? My journey into that was my relationship with um, National Institute of Building Science. We've been working with that group for many, many years and writing criteria for a multitude of different groups. And they approached me because I'm a line designer to help them into this journey of looking at how we light for people with low vision. And it was a learning experience for me in working with um, some of the best doctors from the Mayo Clinic and from you know optometrists from around the world and going, how do we do this? And boy, did I learn a lot. I even took a journey where I put on goggles that simulated different low vision conditions so I could 
thoroughly understand of what was going on. And that, that was amazing. And I would highly recommend anyone to do that to, especially if someone in your family has some low vision issues, put the goggles on so you can experience exactly what they're going through. Yeah. And so can you walk through what different types of low vision there are and how there's different design solutions for different types of low vision? Absolutely. Well, I must say that in low vision, as older adults, we're all going to be there. (laughs) It is. Yeah, this isn't going to be something that we all get through. I mean, like you, you mentioned on the percentage of people, it's just increasing. And again, there's different types of low vision. It doesn't mean that you're blind. Um, There's begins with just visual impairment which is kind of you begin to lose your visual acuity, um, your contrast in in seeing differences between surfaces begins to decrease. And the one that I put the goggles on was loss of peripheral vision. I had no idea how important our peripheral vision is. And then, of course, just some blind spots that happens. That's kind of visual impairment. But then we start getting into some, you know, functional limitations, like it's hard to read and it's hard to move around. Um, your, your different motor activities, visual motor activities are being impacted. And then, of course, night blindness, which I think a lot of elderly, I know I have trouble driving at night. Or, you know, it's just like something I don't want to do because, again, it's that loss of contrast. Um, But then, of course, disability means you just cannot perform your usual or customary daily activities. You know, you really have an issue. And specifically, I think some of the the low vision that I think your, your audience will be, you know, more familiar with, it's like glaucoma. And glaucoma is kind of a, a group of eye diseases that um, can lead to blindness. And it's but the optical nerve, that little nerve that goes from the back of your retina into your brain, it's damaged to that. And it just can't send the signal back there. Um, and then, of course, there's macular degeneration, which is kind of a deterioration of the macula, which is a small area in the center of your retina that provides you with detailed vision. That's kind of what you're reading with. And that's kind of an issue. Then we've got diabetic, you know, retinopathy, which is a new type of blindness. And again, it's just blindness um, damage to the retina. And it just can't take light and those electrical impulses. Um, And then, of course, the one I think most of us interact is like, Cardiac, you know, is the progressionness of cloudiness that happens in the lens. And a lot of people will have cardiac surgery and have their lenses replaced. But that's tough because cloudiness, yellowing, all of that. But those are some of the common ones that we have seen. And what are the different sort of in terms of lighting 
what can you do? Is there different solutions depending on whether it's the glaucoma or degenerative or, say, monovision? Are there different solutions for that? Or is there generally things that everyone can be doing to help with low vision? I think there's things that we all could be doing um, in a general standpoint. And I wish it began with lighting, but it doesn't. (laughs) It actually begins with your interior design of your home. And the main thing is, especially with a lot of these, notice that I did say loss of contrast. So wherever you have, and I'm going to use stairs as an example, and um, that the treads versus the risers, if you don't have a really good contrast, people with low vision cannot figure out where the tread and the riser stops and starts. Or they can't figure out where the edges of the walls begin. Like if you've got flooring, that's exactly the same color as your walls. It's confusing. Um, They just want to bump into the walls because there isn't that contrast. Or you could move into your kitchen where you've got a countertop that's the same color as the back cabinets or whatever. Contrast is number one to make sure that you've got this incredible good contrast with any decision-making points. Even to the point I've seen people put like a big yellow contrast, like beginning of stairs, make sure you've got it. (laughs) Or your railing is a different color than your walls. I mean, things you might not even think about. Um, to work with that, but contrast, that's number one. And lighting could definitely support that. But another architectural thing is specularity, that things that are very highly shiny or specular can can really be disturbing to someone with low vision because any light that hits it, it's just glare. Yeah. And they can't figure things out. So the more matte you can make your surfaces is good. But there's one more, which I experience when I have my glasses on. If you've got patterns in your carpeting, like really strong patterns, some people with low vision think that that's actually a change in elevation. Oh, Like, like you have a pattern of a swimming, you know, fish or something. They think, oh, If I go off the fish, there's going to be a step there. And so something as in tune to that, I notice that in hotels a lot. I know that's not residential, but these fancy patterns. And I go, oh, my gosh, someone with low vision would have such a hard time manipulating through. So I would say contrast, specularity, and avoid patterns in your general design is extremely extremely important and announce with contrast when you've got a change in elevation stairs very very important and and with corners is that a, an important thing too if you're going around a corner not to have things that you can maybe bump into or that there's a difference there in color or contrast yes a different color very very important in fact in the guidelines that you mentioned they talk about even um, columns making sure columns are a different color from around or from the floor so that they're very definable. In fact, one story I had, I went out to dinner with a group of friends while we were putting this together. 
they all had low vision issues. And we got to the restaurant and they all stood out on the sidewalk looking at the restaurant facade, which was glass. And finally, somebody came through the door and then they went to the door and opened it. And I go, well, why'd you guys wait? They go, we didn't know where the hole in the wall was. We had to wait till somebody went through the wall before we knew where the door was. Wow. You know, uh-huh. stuff like that, just as simple as that. And so uh, just really, I, I just love that story. Too. Yeah. And it happened to me, you know, to watch it. And I went something that simple as loss of contrast or glass facade. That sounds great. Or this could be a sliding door in your home or, you know, people just want to walk right through it. Some way of putting up indicators that this is, you know, this is something. Like a sticker. I've seen those on the glass sometimes, you know, you'll see a, or an etching or something to make a differentiation there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, and then again, going into daylight, which is number one with all homes, just making sure that you don't have small little openings um, because the, the glare coming through, again, it's contrast. Glare is really hard on people with low vision. So you want to make sure that your daylight is expansive and that if you've got windows with a lot of direct sun coming through, that you've got good blinds that can almost do, um, to, can go up or down and, and to can cover, you know, the issue with the, with the glare from the daylight. Is there a certain type of lighting that is, helps people with, is, if it's more sort of uniform lighting, whether it's with low co- lower contrast lighting or with more spotlight, is there a difference that makes a big difference there or just kind of a general ambience? Ambient light is better for low vision or is it helps with more individual key accents? It's, it's a combination of both. In general, your ambient lighting should be extremely low glare, um, making sure that you're, you're lighting basically the vertical surfaces. That's what people are looking for. So instead of putting down lights everywhere, take down lights or adjustable lights and aim at the walls. And then cove lighting to fill the area or a wall washer is the best because that way you are filling in the ambiance without the glare of the lights. Spotlighting is something you don't want to do because, again, that may look like a step. You know, they see the, the light, you know, pool and then they get out of it. And they go, oh, what's this next? Do I have a step? Any <laughs> huge change in contrast. A lot of people with low vision perceive that as a change in elevation. And so the more you can use shadows to help you, now where shadows are helpful are on stairs. We're having the lighting more unidirectional, so it emphasizes where the treads are and, you know, the the risers, so that you've got that type of thing where lighting can really help with that. But if in doubt, light the walls. 
definitely like the walls. So if people have, say, a pendant or table lamps or floor lamps in their room and that's what's lighting the space, if you use a luminous shade, like a fabric shade that lets light throw out onto the ceiling, onto the walls, that's going to really help create the ambient light you were talking about versus if they have a solid shade that's really just directing light straight down onto the ground, that's what's going to be hard for people with low vision. You're absolutely right. The key is, is to get balanced lighting that goes up into the walls and avoid contrast. Like you just said, that shade, that solid shade, huge contrast where you just see the lighted bottom and that's not good at all. So are there other techniques that you can give people or other advice for just in general, either with just in interior design or in lighting to help people who want to stay in their home who maybe have low vision, but they can maybe try and make their home more manageable? And, and just kind of have, have a longer life in their home before having to get help. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's go to where people love working. It's the kitchen. And to do like under counter lighting, the pucks, uh, maybe, maybe not. I think what's the best would be a linear light source underneath the counters. But have, you know how your, your overhead cabinets come down and there's a little lip? Make sure that the linear light under your counters are hidden so you don't get the glare. What I have in my kitchen, which I love, I walk into the kitchen and a little occupancy sensor knows I'm there. And so the under counter lights come on as soon as I walk in. And then that way you're not fumbling for the light switch or anything like that. It's really, really helpful. And then again, following with that theme on task lighting, maybe even putting, if you can, your cabinets, if you've got a space between the cabinets and the ceiling, putting an uplight on top of the cabinets to fill the kitchen with light is another wonderful way of getting ambient lighting. And then if um, you need it, like you mentioned, the shade, even to get some luminous shades over the counter space to light the ceiling and to provide more lighting on the counter. Um, and if, if with extreme low vision, you may even need more light inside the cabinets. And one way is to put in some track lighting on the ceiling and aim them into the cabinets so that when you open up, you can see them. But I would say the more choices, just think of where all the surfaces are, making sure you've got a really good low glare light over the sink area and little things like that, given choices. Oh, and by the way, your lighting controls, make sure that the controls are a different color than the wall so that people with low vision can actually find where the controls are. So not, are. not white, white switches on white walls, yeah. No, no. I, I know that looks great, but do it. And also an indicator that the controls that the lights are off, you know, some kind of indicator that shows that. And it may just be that the switch is down versus up, but um, a very simple, simple way of increasing the lighting with a dimmer switch or something. 
to make it simple for people with low vision. And for people with low vision, is there a difference between whether it's brighter light or lower level light? Does that make a difference necessarily? Or is it more about the quality of the type of light? Yes, all of the above. (laughs) (laughs) We need, as we get older, because our eyes start getting cloudy, um, we need three to four times more light than when we were younger to do the same type of task. But make sure that the light, and again, to the quality of the light, isn't totally directional because then our hands will shadow what we're doing. So the way, again, feeling the walls, feeling indirect light on the ceiling, um, and being able to increase that so we get light coming in from different directions. It is definitely this uniform light without the glare that is extremely important and a way of being able to increase the intensity of this uniform light. What about outside? What can people say? People have a driveway with, you know, a lot of people have the lights next to their garage or a light at their front door. Is there anything particular they should be looking at there or should they be putting more light there? Should they be making sure they're lighting the pathways? I presume lighting steps if there's a step up to your door. Correct. It's all about wayfinding. And if there is a step, make sure first that there's good contrast of where the step is. And of course, that's going to get dirty and all that. But placing the light so the shadow shows that the step is there. Anytime you've got a change in elevation... And, you know, people go, oh, well, I may have a ramp going up because of someone with a wheelchair. Ramps, if they're not identified where they're beginning and ending, can be very disturbing to someone with low vision because they, they almost trip and go, wow, where did this come from? And so you may think that ramps are the solution as long as you identify this is the beginning of the ramp and this is the end of the ramp. Okay. It's very important. But again, uniform lighting and wayfinding and even to put linear lighting along the ramp down low so that they can see that that's the edge. Are there any other particular rooms you want to focus on or is, do you have other tips for different rooms? Yeah, I mean, um, living rooms, again, it's table lamps and table lamps and <laughs> table lamps to be able to really give someone with low vision, an option to increase the lighting, to get that, and again, very low glare shades, you know, almost like luminous shades and not, you know, opaque shades, to be able to get that light on people's faces and what they do is extremely important. Again, some way of wall washing to fill the living room with light. Don't do down lights. Have I said that already? (laughs) (laughs) Down lighting just is not the preferred method at all. So living rooms is like being able to adjust and have personalized lighting. And then the other place is the bathroom. And people go, oh, well, bathrooms are bathrooms. But the type of fixtures even, if the, the commode is the same color as the wall or the floor, you know, again, the differences in colors or where the handle is that someone may want to grab to use versus the towel rack. Many times they get those mixed up. 
and to have it really a different color than the wall so that you can see it. And make sure that the lighting, again, is uniform. And around the mirror, have the lighting come in from the side and the top, but again, with diffuse lighting so that you get that, that on the face and no specular surfaces that would, you know, again, have the glare of the light coming up. And remember, your sink should be a different color than, than the countertop. Yes. Uh, yeah. And in a shower, do you recommend having a light inside the shower itself? Or do you think if there's enough ambient light coming into the shower, say with a glass enclosure, that that's, that's enough? I would put a light in the shower because the one thing with people with low vision, avoid dark spots compared to light spots. Always light everything that you possibly can. Because again, they may shadow something and it's it's hard to navigate inside. So if in doubt, put a light. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you have any other spaces you want to talk about? I I think I I think the dining room, just really a beautiful pendant or something over the dining room table. Again, following the same advice that you had just given about a luminous pendant that does mostly uplight. So it fills the ceiling and it isn't a lot of glare is extremely important. And then of course, just the colors of the light, making sure that it's not super bright blue light, you know, daylight, because that's hard with people with low vision. It's just too bright. And to do something that's a lot warmer. And it's better for your sleep habits anyway. As um, people with low vision or people who are losing their vision and say still using screens, still using their phone or tablet or watching TV, is there something different they need to be doing with the lighting or with the environments with their screens? Does, does that make a difference? Yes, it does. Again, I wouldn't have... Be exposed to super blue screens later on and put a background. You know, people go, oh, I could just watch TV or a tablet. Make sure the wall behind it is lighted so you have very little contrast between the wall and the screen itself. That that's adjustable. Again, avoid light contrast, you know, whether it's glare from a window, glare from a luminaire, just balance things out with light. Get the electric lighting to kind of fill in. So what resources are out there for listeners um, if they want to learn more about low vision and the design in their homes? Is there a place where they can go and get that information? Yes, and I, I would definitely look at the guidelines for low vision that was put on by or drafted by National Institute of Building Science, some of the best low vision experts were on that committee, including over half the committee has low vision, different issues. So they were able to represent all of the issues. And I'll tell you, the hardest thing about low vision, this isn't about homes really, it's escalators. Escalators look like <laughs> ramps. And with my, my goggles on, I, I'm like pawing, you know, the beginning of the escalator going, can I get on? 
And then I look over to what do I grab? And then I've lost and where I am with, you know, getting on. So I had a coach who taught me how to put two feet kind of one in front and one in back. So in case you miss the step, one of your feet are stabilized. It is the hardest thing. And to watch people with low vision, sometimes they can't tell the difference between stairs, ramps, and escalators. So they watch whether someone's bouncing as they go down. That means it's a stairs versus a glide, which means it's an escalator. They have no idea. And how important contrast is. And so I would just encourage people to put a lot of contrast in whenever there is a change in elevation inside or outside. And think about wayfinding down a hallway. Wayfinding so you can see the wall versus the floor or any step at all. And I'm sure with escalators, because they're almost always gray, like the whole thing is gray or black. And so, yeah, there's no contrast there, unless you get one of those funky ones that is interesting. Yeah, the majority aren't. Interesting. So I'm going to put in the show notes, I'll put a link to the um, the NIBS guidelines for everyone to read. And it is a really, really interesting document. So I do recommend that. The final question I ask all my guests is if you could give our listeners one piece of advice to improve the lighting in their homes, what would it be? No down lights. <laughs> also, use um, task lighting, which is either with table lamps or in under counters in the kitchen. Just think of, of putting in layers of light and not necessarily relying on a light to do the whole space. Layers coming in at different directions, low glare. Um, that would be the best advice. And lots of control over your lighting so you can get the different levels of light, whether it's evening or daytime. Oh, one more. Can I do one more? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Please do not put in high blue content light which if you go to the grocery store or whatever, they're called daylight lamps or light, you know, bright lights. Don't do it because they will disturb your um, sleep patterns at night. And that's something, if you want daylight, go outside and take a walk. Absolutely. And I've said that to my listeners already. I said, you need to go out in the morning, early in the morning and get some daylight. That's the best thing you can do. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been fascinating. I've learned so much about low vision, and I think it'll be great for our listeners. Where can listeners find more about you? Oh, well, I'm CEO of Clanton and Associates, and our website is Clanton and Associates, you know, www.clantonassociates.com. And it's, it really is kind of a journey in the different projects we do. Um, because I'm passionate about quality lighting and daylighting. I can say that from eight years of working with Nancy, I can say she absolutely is probably the most passionate person I know about lighting. <laughs> so go thank check you, it out. Josie. I'll put a link in the show notes. Thank, <laughs> well, thank you, you so much for coming out. Thank you. This was a true honor of mine. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did and learned how you can make changes to your home to help those with low vision navigate better. 
One additional item Nancy mentioned to me after our chat was not to have rugs if you have low vision, as those can be a major trip hazard. If there are other topics you'd like me to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram or leave a comment on this episode with any lighting questions you have or topics you'd like to see covered. And remember, every home deserves great lighting, whatever your budget. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with others. And I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps new ones like mine be found by others. If you'd like more lighting inspiration, follow me on Instagram at Your Lighting Lady. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.